0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. No Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, no AJ Green, plus three assistant coaches unavailable, and yet the Cardinals still found a way to get the job done on Sunday and in convincing fashion. It is, in the words of Cliff Kingsbury, a resilient team. But first, a perfect Sunday from the morning to the afternoon to the evening. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 492, and it starts now. Well, things could not have gone any better for the Cardinals on Sunday. They win, and a whole bunch of teams lost. Let's quickly run through what happened, because we know MJ, the Cardinals won 31-17. But you look at it, Packers lost, Cowboys lost, Rams lost, Saints lost. I mean, from the morning to the afternoon to the evening, just an absolute perfect Week 9.
1: Yeah, because, you know after the Cardinals had lost that Packers game, you're looking at all the one-loss teams. And, and clearly the Packers would have had the, uh, the tiebreaker because they beat the Cardinals. And it was fascinating yesterday just watching, man, the Broncos. I mean, here they trade Von Miller and, you know, Carolina uh, traded Teddy Bridgewater uh, to Denver and drew Locks out with COVID. And that defense was powerful, and it wasn't even close. It was 30 nothing, and then they finished 30-16. So the Cowboys... You know, they're 6-2, and, and I'm sure they're going to hear, what, did they rush Dak back? He, he did not blame the calf. That, that to me, was a surprise. And then, you know, you look at the uh, Titans and just how they're playing, and everyone thought that you know there would be a drawback without Derrick Henry. And uh, 12 penalties for the Rams, two turnovers from uh, Matthew Stafford, and, you know, they look beatable, but, again, you know, we know that uh, you know, they still got a good team and, and a team that can push the ball down the field. But it's just the NFL, it's any given Sunday. I, it's just amazing. And the Buffalo Bills in the other conference, how do you lose the Jacksonville. Well, that's a huge win for Urban Meyer.
0: As Chase Edmonds said on Friday, it's a week-to-week league. And no other week epitomized that than what we saw week nine with respects to teams that people talk about the entire week i went back to two weeks ago when the bengals were the team well they've lost two in a row since all that talk and then it was the bills and now you go into jacksonville and lose the jaguars but what happened on sunday the end results cardinals once again two game lead now in the nfc west and back atop the nfc one game better than the packers Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Rams, Saints, Falcons. Those are your top seven teams in the conference with the only team with one loss, the Arizona Cardinals.
1: And, you know, going into the game, we kind of, you know, all week it was going to be a game day decision. You know, clearly they they did say if Kyler didn't practice, he he still can play. And then we know Hop, uh, you know, is the guy that misses practice. But I think whoever made that decision, it was the right decision. And you know it's a long season, and obviously you want to have your starting quarterback out there, and you want to have your top wide receiver. But it's just it's a marathon. So, and we'll see what happens this week because you know um, you know I like to get some of those guys back, but I wouldn't rush them back. Uh, you got the Carolina Panthers, that we just talked about any given Sunday. We'll get into them later in the week, but yeah, I mean I I was just thoroughly impressed, and I, we look at the defense. You know, they obviously force turnovers. You look at James Conner. But to me, the flawness of Colt McCoy really sticks out. And we know that the Cardinals put a premium on going after a veteran quarterback. And Colt McCoy is the guy. And, I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit,
0: Craig. It was nearly flawless from Colt McCoy. 22 of 26 for 249 yards and one touchdown. Four incompletions. I went back and rewatched the game earlier on Monday, and we saw much like it was if it was Kyler Murray at quarterback. There were rollouts, scrambles. I counted three design runs, the screen game, deep shots. There was a trick play. We saw Chris Strebler in the game play two offensive snaps. It was a perfect game plan set up by the coaching staff and executed perfectly by Colt McCoy in the offense.
1: And give uh you know um Sean Cooler getting his guys ready. We d- we got a chance to see both Max Garcia, they I think he had 37 snaps and maybe Josh Jones had 33 so they rotated there. Sean Harlow comes in at left guard and some of those plays that you could see down the field uh when Connor was running, you don't see a guy like Rodney Hudson. He's he's way down the field with Sean Harlow so um, man, just getting Hudson back just kind of calmed things down. I mean, it's night and day when he's in there, and, and there's a reason why the Cardinals went out and got a trade for him. But, um, you know, we were doing our, our you know, live from the sidelines, and, and, I, and I was comfortable going into that game. And, and I understand, you know, once not you play an opponent a couple of weeks ago and they had come off a win and they felt like the hit that we got to turn our season around. But I didn't see that game. I, I thought it
0: would be a lot closer, to be honest with you. Was not expecting – 400-plus total yards, 30-plus points. was expecting a win because I think even without a Kyler Murray, without a DeAndre Hopkins, even without an A.J. Green, Cardinals are playing well as a team. Better depth as far as a roster is concerned. They're able to absorb some of those hits, maybe not get to the 30-point mark because you're missing your top two wide receivers. But just thoroughly impressed, and you look back, not only did we not have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, but you lose Chase Edmonds on the first drive. In fact, the very first offensive snap for the Cardinals. Justin Pugh goes down on the second drive of the ballgame. That's five starters on offense that you lost minutes in that contest. And what happens? 31-17, the Cardinals rolled Over the San Francisco 49ers.
1: Yeah, and then you go back to week five and they won 17-10, to and they had all those guys playing. I mean, it's just – and, again, I give the staff a ton of credit. I mean, and and it goes up to the front office just how they went out and addressed certain areas and how these guys compete. And, again, they were flying around yesterday. That, that was the team, you know, we talked about the the missed tackles in the Packers game. We didn't see that yesterday. Guys were punching the ball out, and, you know, they teach this kind of stuff. Uh, again, I, I just, you know, over the last couple of years, you always wonder every game, okay, if you don't turn the ball over and you win the turnover battle, maybe you got a chance to win. Honestly, this is the first time in a long time, maybe go back to 2015. When I feel the Cardinals step on the field, they have a chance to win every single week, Craig.
0: And they had that belief from training camp, and now I think the rest of us from the outside looking in is getting that same belief that every single week there is the opportunity not just to have a chance, but better than just to have a chance to win that particular game.
1: It's fascinating. And we know it's a long season, and, and everyone has injuries, and, and they're not going to use it as excuses. But I, it, it, you know, even the Packers game, you know, I, I liked them there. I just thought, you know what? If, you know, clearly they had the blueprint um, run the ball, play action, you know, keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines, and he was taking some hits. Um, but I, I've never felt this way probably back to 2015. Every time they step on the field, they got a chance. It's like – and, and you know, the odds makers, I got to think, home or away, they're going to be favored for the rest of the season, and they block that out. They don't worry about that. It's about one game at a time, and, and the mentality and the uh, resilience of this football team, I mean, you got to give them a lot of credit from the top down.
0: Eight and one. That is the best record in franchise history through nine games. Fourth time that that has happened in franchise history. 5-0 and o on the road. 3-0 and o against the rest of the NFC West as we talk about it here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Want to go back to Colt McCoy and what he was able to do. The efficiency, the decision-making, and that ball was coming out of his hands quickly whether it was a quick screen, someone flashing across the middle, there was time given to him by the offensive line to take a couple of deep shots, particular to Christian Kirk. But otherwise, as McCoy said post-game, hey, I'm getting rid of the ball. That's a very good defensive front. We need to get this ball out quickly.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the things I noticed a little bit different than Murray, he actually doesn't drift as far. He kind of steps up in the pocket and – you know, obviously Kyler can get out of trouble like that, but um, I love the way the game plan was, where he was he was feeling the pressure, and then he they would have the screen game going, and the yards after catch, and then the one time. Uh, on he had uh, Connor on the one side. He moved him to the left side because of the zone read, and all of a sudden he's he's feeling the rush and he's kind of baiting those guys, and then he throws the ball to Connor in in the flat. And all it's just it's just the NFL experience that he has where the game wasn't too big for him. He was never rattled the entire afternoon.
0: His 12th season in the league, 31st starts in the NFL, and that goes to the experience, what we talk about in the offseason. The Cardinals needed to upgrade the backup quarterback position. To me, I didn't have a particular name. I knew there were a bunch of names out there. I just knew that you needed someone to be able, if needed, and hopefully it wasn't needed. Obviously it was, but if needed, to come in to play a half, to play an entire game, maybe for a two, three-week stretch until Kyler Murray got back on his feet and be able to continue to do what this offense is capable of doing, and that's what we saw on Sunday. Yeah,
1: the only guys I looked at was RG3, and he's he's a broadcaster now, and Tyrod Taylor, and you just wonder if those guys would have been, hey, I want to play. Colt McCoy knew his role, and, and maybe it made perfect sense the fact that Kyler got a chance to watch him at Texas. You know, just not not that he didn't follow Tyrod Taylor or RG3. We know RG3 was a really good college quarterback at Baylor. But the fact that the Texas connection and just they welcomed him with open arms, you know, where, you know, maybe Brett Hundley was trying to be his, his friend last year. And we know that Strever obviously shouldn't have been in there. Um, Again, I, I can sit here and talk for the next hour of what this team has brought in and the depth they have on this roster. And we talk about Hudson and Connor and Zach Ertz. And, you know, I mean, you look at when they brought in J.J. Watt, I think he really set the foundation for the leadership and physicality for this team. And and, and guys were buying in. Uh, you go, you know, they sign Malcolm Butler. He leaves camp. All of a sudden, what's the secondary going to do? And this really... Now we're starting to see the front seven be the strength of this team, and the secondary's hitting. I mean, I guarantee you when Debo Samuel wakes up today or Brian, uh, Brandon Ayuk, they're going to feel it because they, those guys were hitting yesterday in the secondary.
0: We've heard this word used a lot, resilient, and by definition, able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. While that's in a nutshell is what the Arizona Cardinals have done here in 2021 from day one from week one whether it's an injury or COVID-19 this team has been able to respond and that was our question on Friday how would they respond following the first loss of the season they responded very very well even without starting quarterback starting wide receivers and no J.J. Watt it was again perhaps expected in that locker room. I just don't know how much it was expected by everyone else, whether locally or nationally, in that dominating of a fashion.
1: I'm with you, and I go back to the first game when they had all those those starters in there. You had a starting quarterback. You had the top two receivers. You had a starting offensive line and that was 17-10 and you know the Niners were on a four game losing streak Yes, they beat the Bears um they had pressure J- Justin Fields like 20 pressures Grapple looked like he was back to form but when the Cardinals get a lead like that it's they're dangerous i mean they, they were 14 nothing in the first quarter and it was 17 nothing i mean when, and then 17-3 i mean that's that's the that's their blueprint of how they're going to attack the second half where i mean the Cardinals had didn't they have more attempts than the than the Niners had rushing yards?
0: They had 39 rushing attempts, the Cardinals did, and the 49ers finished with 39 rushing yards. <laughs> wow. So that shows you how well the defense played. And I'll That's get- our blueprint, though.
1: We always talk about getting out to a lead. Yes. And, and it's easier said than done because they did go three and out, right, start the game.
0: Well, they they got a first. They punted they, on the opening. They possession. punted. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah. So they they didn't I mean they didn't they changed field positions. But you know you're thinking okay, uh, it's going to go back and forth, and then all of a sudden they're up fourteen nothing, and then all of a sudden Vance Joseph is thinking I got a lot of I got a lot of tools in my toolbox now i can go after these guys
0: it's the blueprint to your words as far as what we've seen the offense gets out to a big lead and then the defense can do what it does best get after the quarterback and shut down the run game and we saw that on sunday quick notes on colt mccoy and credits mark dalton the cardinals senior vp of media relations after that opening possession the cardinals scored on their next Five drives whether it was a touchdown or field goal Colt McCoy in those five drives three of three 26 yards three of four 36 yards four of four 70 yards two of two 70 yards four of four 14 yards he had one incompletion over five scoring drives after that opening possession and they weren't asking him to do a lot as we mentioned there, at least by my count, three design runs. He did show the ability to elude the pressure, scramble when needed, but at the end of the day, it was getting the ball out of his hands quickly into his playmakers, namely James Conner.
1: And he said, uh, going back to the post game show, he said, I knew I had to get rid of the ball. They're front four. And. You know, again, there's got to be a clock in your head to where I cannot hold on to the ball. I can't pad the ball. I mean, Donovan McNabb always padded the ball, and you kind of knew when he was going to throw it. Um, Peter King, Offensive Player of the Week, Colt McCoy. Now he lists a few different guys. Coach of the Week, Cliff Kingsbury. This is Peter's King uh, column today, so he listens Justin Herbert, a couple others, but he's got Colt McCoy at the top um, and just talks about, you know, how he was able to come in there and – you know, he started five games in the past six-and-a-half season. He looked well-groomed and ready to lead the best team in football. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's just fascinating. And his his quarterback rating, um, and the thing is he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, that's huge because you got to think that if you're D'Amico Ryans, this guy hasn't played in a while. Yes, he's still learning the offense. They don't have this guy and this guy. You would have thought that they would come up with something to get, get to him and Again, give the offensive line credit because they protected him very well.
0: And you lose Justin Pugh early in that contest. You lost Max Garcia for whatever reason, but there was a – large chunk of that second half in which we did not see Max Garcia was Josh Jones playing right guard. Garcia got the starts at right guard to begin the contest, so we'll have to wait and see. And we'll have to wait and see what the injury report is on Chase Edmonds, Justin Pugh. Does Kyla Murray return this week? Does DeAndre Hopkins return this week? We expect A.J. Green to be back this week, activated off the reserve COVID-19 list. So you get maybe perhaps one piece, but then you're losing – perhaps one or two more on that offensive side. And as much as Colt McCoy was impressive, what James Conner continues to do week in and week out, especially over these past seven games, he has a nose for the end zone, as they like to say. Eleven total touchdowns—that is the most in the National Football League. Ten of those, though, rushing touchdowns. He had three total touchdowns on Sunday, and he is doing more than I think anyone expected, including head coach Cliff Kingsbury and his staff. I mean, he was a bell call yesterday.
1: Twenty-seven touches, three touchdowns, 173 yards combined. And he was—he was—he was a factor in the passing game he kind of reminded me of Aaron Jones and, and and you wonder why didn't Pittsburgh re-sign the guy well the word is couldn't stay healthy now clearly the you know at the time he had signed as a free agent but they had already drafted Nigel Harris you know early in the off season so they didn't have a spot for him but you got to wonder like why wasn't there a bigger market out there for James Conner coming in he we didn't think he'd be the bell cow it's one and then once we got to training camp it was one and one a you know Chase. You know is a guy that can catch the ball, but uh, this is. I mean, I, I I don't know how we rank these signings anymore.
0: And Connor was not part of that first wave of free agency. It was, okay, let's kind of see how the market plays out. We need someone in there in that running backs room. You lose a Kenyon Drake who is out there, and James Connor, he's got the connection with James Saxon, his running backs coach, who was one of the assistant coaches that was not available to the Cardinals on Sunday. But it's what Connor has done in the passing game and something that Kingsbury noted in training camp, how well he runs his routes, how well he catches the ball. There were at least two times in which Connor had one-handed grabs. Yes. And in that screen pass, the 45-yard touchdown catch, the largest touchdown catch of his career, the ability to take it into a second gear because once he got to the secondary, it was he sh- he found another gear and there was no one going to get him. Now, credit some of the blocking as well. But it's the ability for James Conner, he gets hit once or twice and is still at full speed, keeps his feet moving. And it's been fun to watch. He's got a great story, as everyone knows. But what he has been able to do here, even with Chase Edmonds healthy, now we'll have to wait and see if it is just James Conner and Eno Benjamin moving forward for a couple of weeks. But James Conner, I'm thoroughly impressed. And you mentioned the 173 total yards. Five catches, seventy-seven yards, and a touchdown.
1: And you know, he, you know, they, they, you know, we. Back, I I should say this. Back when Kingsbury got here, you know, we knew there was David Johnson, some other guys, but they would ride the hot hand. He said in his post-game press conference, "I knew when Chase went down that I was going to get a heavier load." And it wasn't too, it wasn't, I mean, I don't know how he feels today. And obviously, he's going to get a couple of days off here. I'm sure he's uh, getting treatment. But the fact that he knew that and he was built for that, and, and to me, that's, that's impressive because, you know, you go into a game and you're part of the game plan, but all of a sudden the game plan goes out the door. Because what do we talk about? This team needs to run the football so they can, you know, obviously win the line of scrimmage. And we, we're comfortable with Hudson coming back but it was going to be Chase Edmonds and and, uh, James Conner. Here, Edmonds gets hurt in the first play of the game, and all of a sudden he becomes the workload. So uh, he's built for it. Again, I I don't know if you can do that every single game, just taking the pounding, Um, but he also protects himself pretty good too.
0: He is a physical runner, not afraid of contact, will run between the tackles, and then the ability to move guys away whether that's with a stiff arm or just being stronger and shoving defenders out of his way so he has a clearer path. It's fun to watch. He is completely different as far as a player versus a person. You talk to him off the field, well-mannered, polite, quiet. But on the football field, there is a switch, and we've heard his teammates call him a bully on the football field because if you are wearing a different colored uniform and you get in the way of James Conner, you're going to find yourself on your back.
1: Yeah, and, and you know it's always good to listen to the the broadcast, and, and Calvisi's on the sidelines, and and he just talks about how, what what the passion they have when when even for Eno Benjamin, a guy that's worked during her, he said Connor's walking up and down the sidelines, getting everyone fired up, and here he's just been carrying the rock, and you'd think he needs a breather. No, uh, so it's interesting when they when they throw it to Paul, just the the passion and the energy from the sidelines. I mean, it's contagious.
0: To your point about can that be sustained week in and week out, probably not in this day and age. It is difficult for any running back to do that. You look at Derrick Henry, who is now likely done for the season. That is why you need those two running backs, maybe two different styles of running backs.
1: I'll say this, though. If there's one guy that has a similar skill set to Chase Edmonds, Eno Benjamin. Now, he may not – I mean, he's Eno's gotten better catching the ball in the backfield. I mean, he – like you talked about last night, you know, they had a conversation. Hey, listen, maybe he, was, he he needed to put more work in. Maybe he needed to know what it's like to be a pro. And I give him a ton of credit because he he, he started flashing in the off season. And maybe they get Jonathan Ward back. You know, we'll see what happens this week when it comes to the injury report. But, you know, e- Eno's going to get some reps here and the fact that he's got, you know, he can run between the tackles, he can bounce outside, I think Eno right now has a ton of confidence, and it's nice to see him get some success because of the work he put in.
0: Everyone was waiting for Eno Benjamin for his opportunity. It did not come as a rookie, and I think for good reason. He was not ready. Physically, probably yes, but not mentally. What did it take to maintain your spots in the National Football League, the work that you needed to put in Monday through Saturday in order to be given that opportunity on Sunday. Benjamin's been very open and honest about that. We've heard Kingsbury mention it as well. You talked about a conversation in the offseason, whether that was initiated by the coaching staff or by the player, it's what do I need to do? Or this is what we need to see from you in order for you to be active. Okay, well, he came in. And he had a different attitude, a different mentality in training camp. And he still had to wait for his opportunity because he was inactive for those first couple of games. But once given the opportunity, and when you're waiting, maybe you are on the same level or think you're on the same level as a Chase Edmonds or a James Conner, but you can't play everyone. Everyone can be active, so you have to be patient. And And patient paid off. And what was the knock? He
1: doesn't play on special teams. And all of a sudden, he started playing on special teams. He was a gunner. I can we, I can go back to training camp. We're sitting in that sweet loft. We had him on the Red Sea Report, and he told us he had a conversation with Steve Kime. And Kime said, I believe in you. Because I think the coaching staff says, what does he do? I mean, besides run, can he do anything else? How is he in pass protection? Can he play on special teams? When Kime said, I believe now, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday, and that's the first time we heard that. But I think you're right. I think physically, yeah, he has a talent, um, what he did in college, but mentally it's a grind in the NFL, and you have to put the work in, and that's why I give him a ton of credit.
0: Nine carries for 39 yards, but he also had three kickoff returns, averaging 22 yards on kickoff returns, so that's the ability on special teams but we've also seen him as far as on the coverage units as well working as a gunner so you put the work in good things happen and I would expect again if Chase Edmonds is unable to go this week or even is limited you have now James Connor Eno Benjamin perhaps a Jonathan Ward and Tavian Feaster is still on the practice squad
1: yeah Connor played uh 54 of the 70 s- uh, snaps, 77%. Eno Benjamin, he had 17 snaps, which he, really efficient, uh, 24%. Uh, you look at uh, when it comes to Sean Harlow, he played uh, 61 snaps, 87%. Max Garcia had 37 snaps, and Josh Jones had 33. So very even, looks like one in the first half and then more in the second half.
0: Well, and quick notes on Harlow, in addition to – his 61 offensive snaps. There were six on special teams, including one as a long snapper. (laughs) And just a note on that, because I thought it was a great conversation on the broadcast between Pash and Wolfley as far as what was going on. Aaron Brewer not available for whatever reason, so it's time to punt the ball, and, well, let's find a long snapper. Sean Harlow comes out onto the field, and there are back-to-back false start penalties called. Unfortunately, they're called on Dennis Gardeck. Talk about taking one for the team. But we think, and it was speculated on the broadcast, that that was by design. Have the false start, flag thrown, and then Harlow snaps the ball. Practice snaps before he had to do it, quote-unquote, for real. And it was a solid long snap when Andy Lee punted that ball.
1: I looked back at the film. Brewer got hurt on that punt when they punted the ball.
0: Uh, oh, previously in yeah. the fourth quarter. He, it okay. looked like
1: he got hurt on that plate. So he must have went to the locker room, maybe got to use the rest, restroom, maybe he was coming out late. But Devin Fitzsimmons, and we get a chance to watch the open portion of practice, and this guy has so much energy, and you don't want too many yellers out there. But, man, he's got six years' experience. I mean, he's got a relationship, obviously, with Rogers and some of the other guys, and I got to think that's done by design. But I wouldn't have known that unless I was listening to Dave Pass and Ron Wolfley. It was fascinating when I was listening. I'm like,
0: this is this is genius. And Jeff Rogers, another one of those assistants, unavailable on Sunday. So someone on the sideline said, "Hey, let's." Let's accept these penalties, and sorry, Gardeck, it's going to go under your resume, but just know that you're taking one for the team. So it's one of those things that, you you know, big picture, it doesn't stick out, but then you're, like, realizing, like, well, why are you doing that? Well, typically there's a reason why teams do that, even though us watching it's like, well, that just doesn't make sense.
1: This is Belichick stuff. Yes. One step ahead. I mean – I wouldn't have known, though, unless I was listening to the broadcast.
0: Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's switch it up, talk about the defense and getting three takeaways, two forced fumbles and an interception by Buda Baker, and going back to defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, the CPR that he preaches, club, punch, (laughs) rip. And if you want examples, perfect examples, Pay attention to those two fumbles. The first one that Byron Murphy punched out of the hands of George Kittle. It was a perfect punch of the football, and Jordan Hicks was right there to recover. And then the second one was Isaiah Simmons ripping the ball out of the arms of Brandon Ayuk, and Hicks was right there to recover as well. Practice, and then how you practice is how you play. And those were two examples, and we see it. It's sometimes during the open portion of practice during the week, and then you see it come to fruition on game day.
1: Yeah, and now it's becoming like uh, everyone's aware of it now. I mean, you're seeing columns. It's in there. People are talking about it. Overall, Cardinals defense, five sacks, seven tackle for losses, eight quarterback hits, one interception, three passes defense, two forced fumbles, and two forced recovery or two fumble recoveries.
0: That's filling up a stat sheet. Well, and most of that stats belong to Marcus Golden. <laughs> Five tackles, three tackles for loss, three sacks, three quarterback hits, and he played less than half the defense's snaps. Utilizing the best of your opportunity and taking advantage of the snaps that you did, that you get. And Marcus Golden, three sack day, and he is certainly someone that, when you look at the defense, who do we talk about in the offseason? Well, it's J.J. Watt. And then it's, oh, Chandler Jones is coming back healthy. Don't forget about Buda Baker. Isaiah. Marcus Golden gets lost in the shuffle, but he just consistently produces week in and week out, especially with Chandler Jones missing two games because he was on the reserve COVID-19 list. And you do have to account for Chandler Jones if you're an opposing offense. And I think Golden has come in and been able to take advantage of the attention that's on 55, so 44 can go, as he says, go hunting.
1: 28 snaps, 47%. Tanner Vallejo played one more snap than him.
0: Wow. And we think Vallejo got more of the snaps because if you look, Zavin Collins only had three defensive snaps he's been bothered by his shoulder was it that or just the fact that it's the 49ers and a lot of emotion and as we talk it's whether that's bertram Berry or rob frederickson or kyle vandenbias they always talk about those linebackers you need to have good clean eyes you can't be darting you can't be looking around focus and i think they believe that tanner vallejo might just be a little bit better at that than collins is at this point
1: i would agree with that and you know uh Clearly, they, they miss Zeke Turner. Um, you know, uh, you know he's a guy that can do a little bit both, um, a little bit more athletic and typical Kyle Shanahan to start the game. He's going at Vallejo, and, there, you know, and it's tough to cover, you know, a guy down the field like that and a tight end. But as the game went on, he started to insert himself where they weren't targeting him. They were just trying to move the football. But early in that game, give Shanahan credit because they're probably thinking, who's 51 out there? Um, and they know the name and all that. But they were probably thinking 25, 9, and 58. And he did the same thing last year to Isaiah Simmons in week one. So they, they targeted him, but I thought he settled down. And they had, and at that point, they couldn't, hey, let's target this guy because other guys are, are making plays.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of Vallejo mentions during the radio broadcast to the point where it's like, okay, well, why is he on the field? Where is Zayvon Collins? And you – We're not familiar with the game plan, but you just have to kind of speculate. And that goes back to the depth and realizing that, yeah, you invested a first-round draft pick in Zayvon Collins, but maybe he's not quite ready or he's not the best option for this particular week, given the 49ers and what they like to do offensively. So you go with maybe not the most athletic guy in Vallejo, but someone that is smarter, just a little bit quicker in his thinking and processing what is needed to be done, i.e. Jordan Hicks. He's not the most gifted athletic guy on the football field. Isaiah Simmons is, but Jordan Hicks has the experience and Johnny on the spot with those two fumble recoveries. First career, multiple or multi-fumble recovery game in Jordan Hicks' career, and this defense continues to do a number on opposing teams, especially when they are on the road.
1: And I thought when it came to the defensive line rotation, I mean, you would have thought, you know, some guys are going to have heavy numbers. The only guy that really played a ton was Zach Allen. He had 47 snaps, 80%. And then you look at Leckie fotu 28 snaps. Um, you know, Corey Peters, 21 snaps. Uh, Jordan Phillips, 20 snaps. Josh Morrill, 14 snaps. You would have thought, you know, that tells me they're going more nickel and dime getting their playmakers out there versus – they were rushing four at one time – I think on a turnover, they rushed four, and they had four linebackers in there. You know, double stack, so to speak. But I would have thought, and again, they only had 59 offensive snaps, where the Cardinals had 70 offensive snaps. So, But it was nice. You know, Chandler Jones, he played 49 of the snaps, which is 83%. So it was a good rotation they had, and I think it helps when you have a lead like that.
0: And speaking of Chandler Jones, he finally got that elusive one more sack needed to become the franchise all-time sacks leader. It happened in the second quarter, sixth sack of the season, his first since week one, number 67 in his Cardinals career, and he passes Freddie Joe Nunn, who recently passed away in the past couple of weeks, and a great gesture on Chandler's parts. He had a T-shirt underneath his uniform and lifted up his jersey to let everyone know that he was wearing a Freddie Joe Nunn T-shirt underneath, one that he made himself. He mentioned he wore it in the Green Bay game as well. It's not that he had worn it since week two, but the past two games he had it underneath his jersey and finally was able to surpass Freddie Joe Nunn and then honor Freddie, Joe, Nunn, and his family.
1: What a great gesture. I mean, he didn't have to do that. Besides, you know, obviously, you know, Freddie, Joe, Nunn. And the fact that Chandler's done this in a lot less games. Back in the day, they were running the ball. So, I mean, Freddie, Joe, Nunn, I think it was 121 games. Chandler's played 75 for the Cardinals. So when you look at it, it's it, they're throwing the ball a lot more. And I thought it was interesting last week when he talked about the, the AFC versus the NFC tackles, you know um but a, what a great gesture and, and i i like chandler Jones on and off the field I, I just like the way he gets everyone fired up i mean he's into it he's he's he, he's, he's part of this team where, yeah, he may not fill the stat sheet, but just having him out there, he creates havoc every
0: single week. Three tackles, a sack, tackle for loss, two quarterback hits for Chandler Jones, who might finally be over his COVID-19 as far as the time he missed and getting back into game shape, and maybe to his point when he addressed the media last week, feeling a lot quicker. He lost some weight. He's gained much of that back, but he feels better at – Maybe it's more psychologically, but maybe quicker now off the edge than he was for a stretch there.
1: I was fascinated when he said he did a, a simulation. I mean, he invited two other guys out here on a Sunday. Um, he, he said he ran about 65 snaps. They did every single drill. I never heard of that. Usually you're just sitting on the couch, and clearly he, was, he wasn't he was coming from back from an injury, but COVID, he, about when you talk about smell and taste and losing weight, he said he didn't lose 15 pounds, but I think he said he lost what seven, and he got five back already. Correct. So, I never heard of that. I mean, it, that's just that's a guy thinking ahead. Like when I get on the field, I don't want to, you know, I, I need to be in football shape. Conditioning's a bit major. If you if you're if you're not if you're lethargic, you're not going to be able to play like you want to.
0: Jordan Phillips also with his first sack of uh, the season. So good to see some quality production out of that defensive front, whether it's the linemen or the linebackers. And overall, as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I've been real, I guess, critical is the correct word, but just pointing out how well or not well this team does against the run. You have to be better Maybe not overall, but just the yards per carry. It is second to last. And that was a concern going into this game. Poor tackling, yes, but just because we know that the 49ers, they run the ball so well regardless of who's in the backfield. Yet what happened on Sunday? 39 rushing yards, a season low allowed by the Cardinals' defense, and that's twice now in three games first being the Texans, that this team has allowed fewer than 50 rushing yards. Now, there are four games in that they have allowed 150 rushing yards, but you limit the run, keep that opponent under 100 yards rushing, and I like the chances of the Arizona Cardinals.
1: The difference yesterday is the running backs in the prior game were getting to the second level, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and that was their game plan. And Chandler did point out that you know Aaron Rodgers was getting rid of the ball quicker. And we can say make the same claim that Colt McCoy was getting the ball quicker, and that makes it difficult for the defense. They don't know what to do now. Do I rush or I drop back in coverage? Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, again, we can sit here and talk about Vance Joseph for an hour. I mean, this, I mean, what he's doing with this defense, and it really doesn't matter who's lining up. I mean, um, I mean, you, and they've gone against really good backs. You know, Derrick Henry, Delvin Cook. Um, you know, even uh, Robinson was a good back. Um, obviously, the, the Rams, you know, Henderson is, is their number one guy. But, I mean, the fact that, you know, yeah, there's times when they got to the second layer, but we didn't see that yesterday. And that, I think that's the reason why the Cardinals were able to stop the run and force Jimmy Garoppolo to beat them.
0: Elijah Mitchell did have 36 yards rushing so 36 of the 89 but only eight attempts and there were only 11 in the game for the 49ers and that's making a team one dimensional You get a big lead you take away the run because you can't and you have to throw it to get back into the ball game and Garoppolo had 40 attempts for 326 yards a couple of the touchdowns but he was also picked off so it's goes back to what Vance Joseph and it's he says it every week. He said it. He's he has said it every week since he's arrived, stop the run. And he means it. And it's come to fruition more times than not. And we saw this team stop the run on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers.
1: And it's something that, you know, and again, you had that great stat, 4.5, the Packers on first down. Uh, that was a point of emphasis because now all of a sudden, if they're getting 4.5 on first down, they get two or three on second down. It's a manageable third down. And that wasn't the case yesterday, which is night and day from the previous week.
0: Yeah, the 49ers only converted four of ten on third down compared to the Cardinals' seven of 15 being able to control the line of scrimmage, control possession, and control the flow of the game. I think that's what the Cardinals did offensively, defensively, and special teams.
1: Well, I always like to go back to my keys. Number one was Cardinals need to run the ball to slow the 49ers' pass rush. Cardinals need to eliminate the chunk plays, on the 49ers offense and they must be better on first and second down and, and when it comes to not letting those guys get to the the second level pressure jimmy garoppolo i said always good at least for one or two turnovers he did only have the one pick they also forced uh two fumbles and then the x-factor i thought would be simmons on kittle didn't really see that match up and the intangibles were murphy on on samuel jones and williams and then alex Mack. i didn't hear a lot about him um, because I think when they put Corey Peters in there and hopefully they get Richard Lawrence back, he's just a bigger body. He's over 300 pounds. You just can't push him out of the way like you can for some of these under, undersized guys. Now, when it comes to Rashard Lawrence and Lucky Foe, too, they, they have you know th- they have weight, where Dogby's more going to try to be physical on you. So uh, I didn't hear Alex Mack's name very much, and he didn't get to the second layer like he did in the previous game.
0: By the way, on uh, George Kittle, we thought he was going to be on a pitch count but he played 43 of the 59 offensive snaps and i don't know if there was you know a limit as far as the 40 or 45 or 50 or whatever it was but he did have 6 catches for 101 yards second time that this defense has allowed a pass catcher to go over 100 receiving yards. And, unfortunately, it came against a tight end because the first time this season a tight end catches a touchdown. But it was George Kittle, one of the better tight ends, if not the best, in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, and I think if they would have had 70 snaps, maybe it doesn't play that much. But I think based on, you know, Ayuk uh, flashing and Samuel and they couldn't run the ball, he he's a weapon. We talk about the safety net for any quarterback throwing – in in, in in fairness there, Kyle Shanahan liked the matchups who was covering George Kittle down the field.
0: And I think that's important as far as how do you exploit the team that you're going up against. From the 49ers' perspective, you go at the tight end because Samuel only had five catches for 63 yards. That was a week after he had over 170 receiving yards against the Bears. So, yeah, things change week to week. Going back to what Chase Edmonds said on Friday, it's a week-to-week league. You can't get too high, you can't get too low, and sometimes your game plan will change, be dictated by the opponent you're facing that week. And it
1: can change when your top running back goes down after the first play.
0: In-game adjustments, not halftime adjustments, but changing literally... On the fly is what we saw on Sunday.
1: And again, Connor said after the game, once I knew he went out, uh, my low was going to be a lot heavier. And I'm paraphrasing. And he, he was built for that. Now, I don't Again, I don't know if he can do it. Um, I, I think the Cardinals are, are um, excited about the future of Eno Benjamin. We'll see about Jonathan Ward. But uh, James Connor, wow. This, this guy just, he, he's a bowling ball out there.
0: It is fun to watch and a fun listen to as well, talking about James Conner. Before we head on out of here, I want to go back to something that you brought up on Cardinal Talk with Kyle Vandenbosch, myself, and you, as far as looking at nine games and the subject of best win of the season. And I went back to the Rams game, winning in Los Angeles, getting that monkey off your back finally beating Sean McVay and Vandenbosch brought up a good point he mentioned that where the Rams game would have been the best considering the entire organization that the 49ers went on Sunday probably said more about Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach
1: couldn't agree more and I know that between the front office and you know um and GM they had a conversation that week listen we got to beat the Rams. Now everyone knew they should have beat the Rams or try to beat the Rams since Cliff's been here. But it was a point of emphasis: this has to stop if we're going to make a run. And it did. Uh, maybe, maybe the tone setter was Week One. I mean, they went on the road and they beat a really good team. Right now, they're the number one seed in the AFC, just yes. like the Cardinals. So you got signature wins, um, best win. But I, I think Kyle brought up this is more about Cliff Kingsbury, and I said it last night. Everyone thought, oh, he's attached to Kyler Murray. He's the only guy that can run this offense. It's the air raid. Um, It's a pretty boy football. He showed the uh, the country yesterday that he can win with different quarterbacks now. Now, it's only one game, but the fact is that he's not pigeonholed where if Kyler's not on the field – they feel like they can't run their offense. And and I he, he mentioned last week, we're going to change some things. After the game, he said, no, we kind of went with the same stuff, just maybe different options for, for Colt. And the fact that Colt knew going in their pass rush, yeah, I mean, we can do this all day, but I, I think Kyle really brought up a good point. That was more for Kingsbury. I think from an organization standpoint, they, that, they wanted to know, hey, Can we compete with the Rams week in and week out? And they
0: did. And Kingsbury is never going to admit it publicly, maybe privately amongst his friends, but to be able to say, I'm not Kyla Murray's head coach. We're not tied together. Yes, head coach and quarterback, there is that relationship that's needed, i.e. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But can you, if you don't have your quarterback, and then in this case also DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, you lose Chase Edmonds, what do you do as a head coach And it's a reflection of the coaching staff as well. How do you adjust during the week and in particular – on game day, so I do like what Vandenbosch had to say because, yeah, for Kingsbury, what happened on Sunday, much better for him and the narrative surrounding him, perhaps he getting more attention, more praise leveled as what kind of a head coach he is at the National Football League, and forget the fact that whenever Kingsbury's name is brought up, people go, well, he was a sub 500 head coach in college. Well, this is year three, he's above 500 now, and we are seeing him adapt and learn from his mistakes we preach patience it's easy to say in the off season much more difficult when you get to the regular season but patience is paying off here for the head coach and a lot of those players in the locker room
1: and i loved his passion yesterday i know that you know you shouldn't be the
0: friendly banter with josh (laughs) norman
1: yeah you normally don't see that i mean there are there are if you, if you make a play at the sidelines and in, in you're showboating, maybe a coach will say – it's more of a position coach. A head coach has got a lot going on. But he was adamant. I mean, he stepped on the field because he, he – and then finally they threw a flag, and then he got into it. But he's he's been a different guy on the sidelines this year, more animated, uh, more passion. And, and I was watching the game with Kyle at 98-7. We're sitting in the studio, and I'm like – I wonder if he thinks he doesn't get a lot, the respect that other coaches because when you're coaching against Belichick and, and, and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, they got this this cachet to where, you know, this, this guy's still learning the game. But I, I'm glad he stuck up for his, his team and he stuck up for himself, and that really impressed
0: me. I think – Kingsbury is more comfortable in his own skin as far as an NFL head coach. And it wasn't just his reaction, but DJ Humphrey's reaction as well, making sure he wasn't aware of what was going on, but he saw Norman join with his head coach. And Humphrey's as he is. He protects the quarterback. He protects his head coach. And he went over there and got into the face of Josh Norman. And Norman got flagged as well. And what I didn't know, because there was some confusion It was after the play, and at that point it's third down. Okay, now maybe you're out of field goal range, but based off what I was able to read, because the Josh Norman penalty was on the field, meaning it was in the field to play with a player, that had to be first. So that's the accepted penalty, first down, but then because of the penalty on Kingsbury, now first down, but you move the play back 15 yards. That's why it was first and 24-25 24, 25 of the San Francisco 26-yard line. They were able to get a field goal out of all of that, but it was for a little bit, um, a little, a little fun within a game at that point that the Cardinals were comfortably ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that rule, but I, it makes sense. So what happens on the field, and then if, if it's from the sideline, that becomes secondary. Yeah, and it wasn't the, sense.
0: it wasn't the order because I think. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I mean, there were two flags. Uh, I assume that the first flag was for Kingsbury, but it's – Running on the field. But it was kind of what happens. The player's penalty gets accepted first, so you mark that off, and then it becomes, all right, what else happened because Kingsbury's not part of the field of play. That's That no. was kind of my understanding on and, that, and
1: that. And when I went back and looked, and that's, like, that's how the penalties
0: were um, decided. At the end of the day, another win. Eight – Of their first nine games, eight wins matching their win total from last season. This is fun. (laughs) That's a word for it, yes. Considering what has happened over the past two seasons with Kingsbury and even going back year one after Bruce Arians. So it has been a long time coming, Bird Gang. Enjoy it right now, it's very fun. Big picture, it doesn't mean anything because you haven't accomplished anything, you haven't clinched anything, but it certainly beats the alternative when you look at the rest of the division and the rest of the NFC.
1: I will say this, though. They put themselves in position to make a run and get one of the top seeds in the NFC. Yes, they don't give out trophies. Um, You're going to see the midway point where they rank in, in seedings and all this other stuff, but they put themselves in position to make a run. This is not a fluke. It's very sustainable.